I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Thanks for hanging out with us in the shadow of the divisional round, my favorite weekend of football, and I'm sure no one remembers, but this time last year, coming off what may have been one of the greatest football weekends that anyone can remember, (laughs) we ended up with four games that were won by all the road teams that went down to the wire. Uh, it, it was a night that I could not be here because I had an emergency. And so I had to call in. And I remember coming back on the Monday night and just essentially doing the show that I wanted to do on Sunday night. And you all were very supportive. I appreciate that. And, and you told me you couldn't wait to hear my thoughts. So, yes, that was great. But nothing quite like coming in in the immediate wake of these games, even as the dust is settling and we're processing. It's kind of funny because I, on that divisional weekend last year, not being able to come in right after and tell you what I thought and share my observations, I remember thinking, wow, this is what it's like if you don't work Sunday nights. Say you work Monday afternoon and you have to wait 24 hours (laughs) to be able to talk about what you saw and how you felt. Like, no freaking way. It's The number one reason that I remain on this time slot and have for so long because I love to work Sunday nights after big football weekends. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. It does definitely cramp my style. I don't know if I really have a social style. Uh, Oh, dear Lord. Speaking of that, I have a story to tell you, but not on this edition of the show. It's going to have to wait (laughs) until tomorrow. But don't you don't want to miss it. My coffee... date would be putting the term loosely, but hysterical. Thankfully, the Giants did not come up, but it was it was notable for other reasons. <laughs> oh my gosh. Next time I'm going to use football as an excuse. There won't be a next time, but I can, I'll use anything as an excuse. You guys are going to die laughing. I almost lost it myself. So that's tomorrow night. Anyway, uh, the, the, the way that this weekend went was not necessarily what I think a lot of people were expecting, predicting. This is why I don't even bother because when you make predictions, the NFL laughs in your face. So it was that kind of a weekend with a lot of surprises, a lot of moments that cause your jaw to drop open. Greg, Greg, see, there I go again. George Kittle, Joe Burrow, Brock Purdy, but on the defensive side of the ball, Cam Taylor Britt, the ball that he knocks away from Gabe Davis in the third quarter. I'm telling you that reception by Gabe Davis 
that ball, that deep shot from Josh Allen could have been the turning point, could have sparked a comeback the same way that George Kittle's reception sparked the Niners. That's how critical the moment. And Cam Taylor Britt knocks that ball out of the hands of Gabe Davis. It's moments like that that whoo, give you a jolt. And so we're asking you, and we're getting a healthy response already on Twitter, A-Law Radio, and then also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We've got a post up where you can respond or you can just write on your own. A lot of you do that as well. Who, either individually or who as a team, impressed you the most this divisional round? And our phone number is 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. Still to come, some individual questions. What about Dak Prescott? And and I'm all ears, sort of. You know what I mean. I'm all proverbial ears. What do you think of Dak? It's interesting that Dak, and I know he threw two interceptions. He did. Tipped balls. Not good decisions. But it's interesting that Dak is receiving so much more criticism than, say, a Josh Allen, who also did not play well in his two playoff games. And I would say, overall, Dak's numbers were better against the Bucks for sure. You put the composite together and you're talking about a a Dak Prescott that if he didn't perform better than Josh Allen over two games was at least as good. Josh Allen had three turnovers in their first game and I know they won. So maybe that takes some of the sting out of it, but Josh did not play well these last two weeks. Credit the defenses. You got to credit the defenses in the case of Dak San Francisco knew exactly what to do. Brash and bold and pressure Stuffing the run, not allowing multi-dimensional looks. Nah. They made the Cowboys offense very uh, very one-dimensional and vanilla, essentially. Because of the way that they approached defense and stuffing the run. And obviously the loss of Tony Pollard really hurt in every way. But the Bengals did the same thing to Josh Allen and his receivers. Once you fall behind in a hole, you don't necessarily have the same luxury to be able to run the football. There's a lot of frustration on that Bills sidelines. It's one reason why Diggs is trending right now on Twitter. 40,000 tweets about Diggs. And I'm assuming it's Stefan and not Trayvon, who nearly had a pick on Sunday. But did you hear what or did you see what happened with Stefan Diggs? It was on camera. It was on. TV, but it's also been making the rounds on social. We see this every now and then. A supercharged atmosphere, an emotional player, and that is Stephon Diggs. But he and Josh Allen have had a very productive relationship, and yet that's where Diggs directed his ire. On the sidelines, on the bench, and Josh really didn't seem to acknowledge him. Obviously can't hear it from where we were, but Josh barely looked up at him. Maybe because he's used to it. I mean, you know your teammates extremely well. It's it's like family. So there are times when I don't acknowledge 
Uh, family members outburst or my brother, he can be pretty emotional. He can go from zero to 60 anger in about 1.2 seconds. And so there are a lot of times we as a family don't acknowledge. So Josh didn't engage, but Diggs was fired up and angry for all sorts of reasons, of course, mostly because they weren't going to advance. Apparently he also bolted from the locker room so quickly after the game that he was already gone. He had gathered up his things. He didn't shower. He was gone before the coaches, a lot of the coaches even got to the locker room. So then one of his teammates goes to get him, tries to to bring him back, and this is multiple reporters who see it. It's not as though this is one person's source telling us what happened. Multiple reporters see a teammate, a fellow member of the offense, bring him back, but he didn't stay. He didn't stay for very long. He left again. This is a team captain, but also very emotional. According to Sean McDermott, he said Stephon Diggs was in the locker room when he addressed the team, and that is what mattered most to him. But even the tightest of relationships get challenged in these pressure-packed situations with the disappointment for the Bills three years in a row. Three years with sky-high expectations. And so the Bengals, again, deserve a ton of credit for the way they limited really anything the Bills wanted to do. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence. I'll go Bengals defense on you. Most impressive performances of the weekend on Twitter, after hours, CBS, or on our Facebook page, and we'll get to some of your reactions. But the Bengals will be in Kansas City. Good thing they started selling all those tickets for Arrowhead over a week ago. The Bengals will be back in Kansas City for the AFC Championship. It's the second game of the doubleheader next weekend. So Philly hosts the early game. San Francisco hosts the second. I'm sorry. San Francisco's in Philly. Kansas City hosts the second game. So the two top seeds advancing to host the conference championships. How did the Chiefs get there? Well, it was a dogfight against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I did love the fact, though, that the Chiefs fans were a little extra obnoxious, a little extra raucous. It was loud and it was cold. But that's how you warm yourself up. Do you ever notice that uh, jumping up and down, yelling, screaming, high-fiving, generally being a pain in the ass to the visiting team, that can really warm you up. And so the big news in the first half is not so much the fact that the Chiefs have an opening scoring drive. Travis Kelsey yet again. Nah. What mattered most in the first half was Patrick Mahomes hobbled in the course of what was a routine, uh, I would say pressure, pocket collapsing. He gets rid of the ball, but he pays a price. Kenner remains in the backfield. Mahomes on the Arrowhead logo on the grass, moving left to right. First and 10, shotgun snap, left tackle blocked by Brown. Moving up is Mahomes. Hit as he throws, wobbly throw, but grabbed. It was a, a dying duck. It was caught by the tight end. Oh, Mahomes is limping. Oh, Mahomes is, oh my goodness. Holding onto his right ankle. Bending down, holding onto his right ankle. Now bending over in excruciating pain and leaning on his knees. His white pants already soaked with mud and dirt. 
and wet here in the slick conditions. He got hit hard on the play, and his right ankle got under somebody's knee. Mm-mm. Arden Key was the somebody. That's Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. So, yeah, the pocket collapses. He gets crunched, and Key rolls up on the back of his foot, which then twists awkwardly. So this is your huge news. Mahomes is hobbled by what turns out to be a high ankle sprain late in the first quarter. He is limping, but he stays in for a few more snaps. I can't, I lost count of the number of times he yells, I'm good, 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 I'm good. To anybody who would listen, you didn't even have to really be expert at reading lips. And so he stays out there for a few more snaps, but he's on one leg essentially. He can't really move. He can't push off. And how much before that was he scrambling? His mobility is so important against the Jaguars. So important really all the time uh, because he know we know he extends plays until he can figure out which hand and which arm angle he wants to throw at until his guys can get open, usually Travis Kelsey. So he's in there for a few more snaps before Andy Reid has to make a tough decision as a coach. Honestly, I could feel the anguish and the angst for Reed. It's not what he wants to do. Of course, he loves Patrick Mahomes, but you got to balance what's best for the player and what's best for the team. And Mahomes was pleading with him. Again, anybody would listen. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then his pleading turns to arguing. And when Reed finally sends him to the locker room late in the first half, he explodes like you don't generally see with Patrick. Usually his fire is directed in an optimistic way. Usually his fire, even when the Chiefs are down, is him walking up and down the sideline. We got this. We got this. Let's effing go. We got this. He's very optimistic normally. So to see him throw down his coat and storm off as much as he could with a high ankle sprain was rare. You don't see him direct his emotions toward Anyone else, generally, it's not anger. It's not ire. It's usually not frustration, even when the Chiefs are down. But in this particular case, Andy Reid had to give him an ultimatum and had to go with Chad Henney and tell Patrick Mahomes, get your rear end to the locker room. It was hard getting him out of the game, first of all. Uh, He wanted to fight. And so (laughs) um, we got him out, went to the x-ray, got got it x-rayed, looked at, taped, uh, he came back and he said he felt good enough to be protected, you know, where, where he's not going to uh, get hurt. Uh, that's obviously the primary thing. Um, and he felt like his mobility was good enough where he could do that. So um, we did a few little things with him on the sideline to see where he was at, put him in, and it was a short leash. Uh, so if I felt like he was, wasn't able to handle it, he would have been out and back in Henny. So Chad Henney does have another one of his playoff moments. I'm not sure if you saw it, but it was trending. It partially started by Brittany Mahomes, uh, Patrick's wife, who was there in in the stadium in a suite. But she was also tweeting, anything is possible. (laughs) That is, in fact, their battle cry when they need Chad Henney. So, yes, Kansas City doesn't miss much of a beat. Scores on all three drives in the first half. Travis Kelsey is instrumental just as critical to Chad Henney as he is to Patrick Mahomes. And get this, 
98-yard drive. They did not do Chad Henney any favors by backing him up, but he and the offense go 98 yards. Chad Henney will be in the shotgun here. With second down and goal to go at the one. 10-7 Kansas City. Four minutes to go in the second quarter. McKinnon coming on sprint action. Now they throw it near side. Kelsey's got it. Touchdown! Kansas City sprinting inside the near front pylon. And Chad Henney leads a 98-yard Chiefs touchdown drive. See? Anything is possible. They believe in him. And... I know that we he rarely sees the field. It's like any backup to an elite quarterback. You have to drag Tom Brady off the field. Peyton Manning would never leave the field. He was notorious for not allowing his backup to take snaps, even in garbage time. He hated being off the field. It's really difficult for these guys to, to ever get any quality reps. They're certainly not getting them in practice. But Chad Hedy is a veteran. He knows his role. He stays ready. And honestly, because he's an older guy and he's been around the NFL for so long, not to mention been with Andy Reid, been with the offense, he doesn't try to do too much. I'll say the same thing about him that, I say, that I've said about Brock Purdy now for weeks. You rely on the guys around you. No one's needing you to go out there and do everything by yourself, Chad Henney. Nobody's expecting Chad Henney to start scrambling, extend plays, throw 60-yard strikes. No, what they need from Chad Henney is steady and stable and no turnovers. 98-yard drive. I love that element. And it's not just the Chiefs. There are other backup QBs that will do the same. But we've seen him in the playoffs two out of the last three years. Huge. As for Jacksonville, there were a couple of missed opportunities in that first half, uh, you may remember the 63-yard run back after a kickoff. Jamal Agnew, man, really finding himself a niche there. He sets up the Jags with a short field. Christian Kirk is able to haul in the 10-yard touchdown. Although Christian Kirk had one of those best of times and worst of times. First halves, he also dropped what was a sure touchdown bomb in the second quarter. So for a lot of these Jags, first time on this particular stage in that atmosphere. And then to start the second half, Mahomes was back on the field. So we'll pick it up there. You're going to hear from Patrick Mahomes about the ultimatum given to him by his head coach and his version of the story. As Andy Reid says, first of all, it was hard to get him out of the game. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine? One of those moments, and, and Mahomes wasn't really running, but he's just avoiding Andy Reid or Eric Bieniemy and just away. He's away from them. It's You can't tell him to get out of the game if you can't get to him, if you can't find him. <laughs> He didn't want he didn't want to hear it. He was not having it. He was just going about his business like nothing had ever happened, even though he was on one leg. What was the most impressive performance of the weekend, whether it be individual or team? Lots of your responses coming in on Twitter, A-Law Radio on our Facebook page, too. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. And the Chiefs will have Patrick Mahomes in at quarterback. You can hear the reaction of the crowd. Here's Josh Klingler. Yeah, not a lot of time to warm up to start the second half, but he and Chad Henney were throwing the football around, and it was Mahomes that put on the helmet. Henney had the stocking cap back on. 
gave us a look to see that Mahomes was coming out. And you just heard the big cheer as he re-enters the huddle. I obviously didn't want to go back and see it. Uh, I didn't want to go get the x-rays or whatever it was. I wanted just to continue to play. Um, I told him I would do it at halftime. Um, but uh, Coach, I mean, in the best interest of me, uh, just made he made me go back there and, and get that x-ray before he put me back in the game. And for a while, I thought I could get a, get and play through it. And then he said, I'm not putting you back in, so you might as well go get the x-ray. And then if it's if it's negative or whatever, I'll put you back in. So try to do whatever I can to be uh, as close to 100% uh, by next week. But luckily for us, we played the early game on Saturday. So we get an extra almost half a day that I can let that ankle rest. It's a football feeding frenzy. After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It definitely was a slower start to the second half because Patrick was hobbling. Uh, the adrenaline kicks in, obviously, at some point. Uh, with the ankle being so tightly wrapped, you can't feel anything. Forget the pain in a high ankle sprain. But as you hear on the Chiefs radio network, in fact, Josh Klingler, a guest here with us on After Hours not that long ago, uh, they are able to get the first down of the opening drive and they're he's able to kind of hobble through that and pick up a few yards to convert uh, on a third down and they're just off and running from that point Kansas City's able to tack on a field goal before the end of the third quarter but it's still just a two possession game 20 to 10 at that point and you can see the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson how often they play their best football at the end of games but also how often they kind of kick it into high gear it's it's been the story of their season the number of comebacks this like wouldn't call it a win streak necessarily, but this winning football they've played to not only grab the AFC South title, but then a win at home in the wild card round. Now to go on the road and try to put pressure on Kansas City, you could see it. They just have a different gear. Now if they could play 60, 60 minutes like this, four quarters like this, it would be something different, and maybe that's their goal moving forward. But they go up-tempo to start the fourth and it's a 75-yard drive. It doesn't take that long, and it serves notice to the Chiefs. It's first and goal at the four of the Chiefs. The Jacksonville quarterback, Lawrence, under center against the snap. Hands off ETN over the right tackle. Got a block. He spins. He dives. Touchdown! Jacksonville is back in business. A touchdown run of four yards by Travis ETN with 11.49 to go. With the extra point coming up, and the Jaguars have clawed back to within four here at Rockus Arrowhead Stadium. Kevin Harland once again on Westwood One. So, yeah, that scoring drive that goes 75 yards only takes three minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, so they're starting to feel a greater sense of urgency. But Kansas City, they get the ball back. And it's our way or the highway. It's our way and the highway, actually, according to the Chiefs. So they show off the toughness of Patrick Mahomes, but also the Chiefs' offensive line in that weather, trying to take care of their quarterback. And what does Mahomes do? He turns to his security blanket. Over and over again, we see him. Until they can settle into a rhythm on that drive, he's looking for Travis Kelsey. So they're heavy with Kelsey early. And he gets hit. A couple of times, his old linemen are picking him up, and you can see the grimace on his face. But he, he's so tough, and he's tenacious. And his offense takes the tone, or it takes the cue from this quarterback who sets the tone and keeps them moving. Tenth play of the drive, 20-17 to 17 Chiefs, 7.22 to go in the game. 
Mahomes. Again, that right ankle is the one that's bothering him. That's in front of the left. Feet staggered. McKinnon sprints in motion to the near flat. Mahomes now steps up in the pocket, throws late, wide open, back of the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a six-yard touchdown. I'm not coming out of a playoff game unless they take me out. And so uh, I'm just going to play. I, I love this, this sport too much. I love this game. Uh, I love playing with my teammates and being able to go out there and, and enjoy it together. And, we're, and we were we prepare all year to be in the playoffs and to play in these games. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get back in the game. And, I mean, it's it's something that uh, I just love competing in this sport. And uh, pain is pain. And you got to deal with it either way. Patrick Mahomes, again, fired up on adrenaline to be able to finish out this game. And then he's able to cheer on his teammates. There are three major moments the rest of the way. I'm going to describe them. These seal the game for the Chiefs. Should not be overlooked. After the Chiefs go up 27-17, the kickoff, once again, Jamal Agnew, full head of steam. The only thing that stood between him and a kickoff return for a touchdown and the momentum swinging back the Jacksonville way was Harrison Butker. Oh my gosh, I wish we had this play. We're going to have to find it for sometime later in the week because it was phenomenal. A diving attempt. Now, he didn't actually tackle Jamal Agnew, but what he did by diving and timing that dive perfectly, how often do we see kickers or offensive players, special teamers, whatever it is, attempt to do something that's out of their nature, right? In this case, Butker does not tackle. He very rarely sees contact. And they, a lot of times, these guys who are not used to it mistime their dive or their jump, and they completely whiff. Harrison Butker does not do that. He dives. He gets underneath the feet of Jamal Agnew. He knocks him off balance. But honestly, Jamal might have kept going. At that point, though, because he lost a couple of seconds there, The rest of the special teams unit or a couple of guys from the special teams unit for the Chiefs were able to catch him and tackle him and knock him out of bounds. But it was Harrison Butker that stalled him for just a second so that the rest of the Chiefs unit could catch up. (laughs) Harrison Butker. They better show that on a loop inside the Chiefs film room this week. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. So that's Harrison Butker at midfield to prevent the kickoff return for the touchdown. Same drive, though. It's a short field for the Jaguars. They get into the red zone. And what happens? Jamal Agnew fumbles at the six-yard line. Man, what a tough couple of minutes for him. So that's another humongous play by the Chiefs' defense. And then finally, after a Kansas City three and out, Ball goes right back to Jacksonville, but Jalen Watson comes up with the interception. Those three plays that do not have to do with Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs offense. No, Harrison Butker with a diving attempt to tackle a player, a fumble recovery, and an interception. Those are the three moments that snuff out the Jaguars' hopes for a comeback. And I think it's important to note that it wasn't the offense in this case. It was the rest of the team stepping up, rising to the occasion. And I would say probably watching their quarterback tough it out, hobble around, grimace in pain, but keep going. That inspires teams. The Chiefs special teams, the Chiefs defense played 
inspired football. Brash and bold across the board, whether in shirt sleeves or in snow, defense set the tone for this divisional weekend. We saw it with the 49ers who picked off Dak twice and stuffed the Cowboys run game. We saw it with the Bengals who really never gave Josh Allen any opportunity to develop a rhythm, even in the the couple extended drives. It never felt like they were flexing their muscles the way that we see the Bills do so often. Going back to the Chiefs, recognizing that your quarterback is not 100% of himself. He's not living his best life. You got to ratchet up the intensity, and that Chiefs defense did it. They called on all their experience. They called on every bit of speed and intensity they could possibly muster, and it worked. And yes, Harrison Butker, kickers are people too. Sometimes kickers are even athletes. And then thinking about the Eagles, the Eagles defense never really gave the Giants any hope. Yeah, you can focus on the 28 to nothing lead in the first half, but do you know why they were able to do that? Because the defense just kept giving the ball back to the to Jalen Hurts, giving it back to Jalen Hurts. All four winners this weekend had defense. Defense that was notable and remarkable and I think extremely impressive. But what impressed you the most? Who or what? Whether it be an individual or a team. Maybe it was the snow. Maybe it was Nick Sirianni's bling. Maybe it was the snap back, the clap back of the Bengals, whatever it was. Excited to hear from you. Lots of responses coming in already as we morph into a Monday morning on Twitter, A-Law Radio, on our Facebook page too. What are you so impressed with as you wake up on this Monday morning? We're going to do a little QB news because there are QB questions moving forward. Those who are still alive and playing and those who are not. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back to throw. And it is. Is it tossed? Oh, my goodness. It's tossed. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Back from under center. Steps back. Throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, LA. Burrow back to throw. Looking. Firing deep for Chase in the end zone. He's got it. Mahomes fires for the end zone, caught, touchdown, Kansas City! And off to Eckler again, no, Herbert keeps it, end zone, touchdown, Chargers! Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap, Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five, into the end zone, touchdown, Buffalo! Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run, the Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. Except for the... Last team standing, the Super Bowl winner, every quarterback has to deal with disappointment at some point in this postseason. And sometimes that disappointment hurts, stings, sticks with them a little more than other times. I think the four quarterbacks that are on the losing end this weekend come from two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Actually, two and two. And you'll see what I mean here coming up after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. For Dak Prescott, this was the opposite of what he wanted to do. Certainly, this was the Dak Prescott that led the league in interceptions, some poor decisions, trying to make those throws into tight windows when you're better off not doing it. Uh, Just a veteran quarterback that's making rookie mistakes, maybe something you'd expect from a Brock Purdy. And so a lot of ire is being dumped on him. He's not a franchise quarterback. He can't lead you to a Super Bowl. Interestingly enough, not the same ire that is being directed at Josh Allen. But either way, Dak Prescott, he always takes ownership. That's not the problem. And I've got to play better than I did tonight. Simple as that. Yeah, simple as that. I I mean, all I can think about is right now in this game and how disappointed it is, how disappointed I am in my play, how disappointed I am for the guys in the locker room who played their their asses off and um, we weren't able to get it done. He was going to get criticized regardless, no matter how he played. Unless he didn't throw two or zero interceptions. If he did, if he did threw zero interceptions, everybody would have been on his coattail. Just because he threw picks, everybody's going to be on him. That's fine. Everybody throws picks. But uh, he plays for Dallas Cowboys. He's number four. He's our starting quarterback. So that's what comes with it. I'm with my boy, and he knows that. So it is what it is. We're going to work. We're going to work. There's no leader better than him in this league. That's my brother. Uh, been through, you know, every day together. Uh, and every day he's came at the same mentality. Um, every day, you know, he come in and put works harder than you know anyone, anyone in the league. And, and uh, I mean, he's the leader of this team. As Dak takes ownership, C.D. Lamb and Ezekiel Elliott support him. He's a leader, and and C.D. does make a point. I said it earlier. Josh Allen's not getting criticized, and he did not perform well in two playoff games. I mean, there's a little bit going his direction, but nobody would blame him. And here for the Cowboys, everyone is blaming Dak Prescott. It's part of being a Cowboys quarterback. just comes with the territory. So, what about the boss? What did Jerry Jones have to say about Dak following the loss? I thought uh, this team uh, uh, with uh, 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 Dak at quarterback, uh, I thought we had a chance to uh, uh, get to and compete at the top level in this in this tournament. I really did. And uh, that was our edge here tonight. Uh, the, uh, I thought the quarterback and the experience of the quarterbacks 
uh, they might have had a little edge and, and uh, uh, an area there, but still, I thought our quarterbacks were the edge. Yeah, he says not so much about what happened to Dak in this game, but clearly disappointed because he expected that the experience of the quarterback room, and that probably includes Kellen Moore, a former Cowboys quarterback himself, who's the OC, but between him and Cooper Rush and Dak, that they would have the edge in the quarterback room over Brock Purdy, who is facing something all new. So the Cowboys, I don't know if they have questions at quarterback, but a lot of disappointment once again heaped on Dak Prescott. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. As for Daniel Jones, he's coming off his best game of the year and then the Giants offense lays an egg and that's a huge credit to the Eagles defense. They stuffed him early, but the fact that we didn't see Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, the Giants production like we saw against the Vikings. Man, it was like feast and then it was famine. We just didn't didn't execute well enough early on. Uh, didn't score points. Turnover was uh, critical and just kind of fell behind. They're a good team, um, and we uh, got off to a slow start that really put us back. Of course, uh, instantly the talk turns to Daniel Jones' status for 2023. He is a free agent. I know the Giants reportedly want him back as well as Saquon Barkley. There are no guarantees, but he wants to remain in New York, he says. I've really enjoyed being here. I have nothing but love and respect for, for this organization. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to be back, but, uh, you know, we'll see. And, and there's a business side of it, too. To a man from Saquon Barkley and Leonard Williams and others in the Giants locker room, they spoke about how special this experience. A lot of people would tell you the Giants are a year ahead of schedule. Doesn't necessarily make it easier, but they did become the third NFC beast team to get into the postseason. Won a game, got it under their belts in Brian Dayball's first year, and we'll see if it's Daniel Jones' last. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio, now turning our attention to the Buffalo Bills, who once again run into a brick wall in the AFC Divisional Round. Josh Allen never really found a rhythm, and that's a credit to the Bengals' defense, but this is his house, his weather, right? Uh, And they failed to meet the expectations, though they didn't give up. I'm proud of our guys, how we handled um, situations throughout the year. Um... You know, we could have made a lot of excuses throughout throughout the year of what was going on, going on. But guys continued to fight. Um, you know, we we wanted to win this one. We want to win them all. Um, those guys played better today. Back-to-back losses in the divisional round, and they're running into Cincinnati. They're running into Kansas City, right? I I used this analogy earlier about the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green era with the Golden State Warriors. How many other teams could have risen to the status of champion or had much more success in the playoffs if not for constantly running into the brick wall that is the Warriors? You don't operate in a vacuum. There's other teams that are rising and falling all around you, and that's where the Bills are right now. They've got an incredible team. Best team they've had in years. A franchise quarterback who's MVP caliber and is unique to the NFL. And yet they keep running into better teams. They don't operate in a vacuum. They're playing in the same era as these Kansas City Chiefs and now these Joe Burrow-led Bengals who get to -to back-to-back AFC championships. And so they fail to to even get back to the AFC title tilt. Disappointment. You, You play to win. Um, our goal is to win a, a Super Bowl, a World Championship, and we didn't accomplish that. So, 
everything that happened this season is kind of null and void in our minds, and um, it sucks. You've heard me talk about this before. If you want to, if you want to win games on a consistent basis, that's where the game starts. It's, it's there, and it's at the quarterback position, and, and we didn't do enough, uh, I would say, overall at the line of scrimmage tonight. Give the Bengals credit, uh, uh, but uh, you probably saw what I saw. You guys know me by now. If you listen on a regular basis, it's never as simple as the quarterback. Not for Dak, not for Josh Allen, not for any of these games. It's never as simple as, oh, the quarterback sucked. Otherwise, why would you bother putting 10 other players on the field offensively? No, there's so much more than that. When you're a quarterback, you get far too much of the credit. Quarterback wins should not be a stat. But you also absorb far too much of the blame. It is why you get paid $40 million per year. It comes with the territory. And now these guys, they recognize they are leaders for sure. They're captains, most of them. And they've got to find a way to lead out of this disappointment and prepare for what is a long offseason. But that's also painful. Even for a team that had zero expectations Externally, Maybe internally they expected more of themselves this year. But for the Jacksonville Jaguars, first playoff win since 2017. They get into Kansas City. They push the Chiefs to the final quarter. It still stinks and it hurts. It's hard to, you know, I don't really have the words right now. Uh, just, you know, equal parts, you know, crushed that we, you know, we're done playing. You know, road ends for us this year. And, you know, equal parts just proud of what we did you know it's hard to it's hard to feel that part of it right now because you're you just you put so much into it you know you dedicate everything you have the whole that whole you know our whole building for six months to to get these opportunities and uh, to come up short it stings that is the voice of one Trevor Lawrence I mean they were playing with house money no pressure whatsoever and they were game for the challenge but the Chiefs defense was as well the Chiefs special teams was as well. So uh, when you're looking at this weekend, I think from a big picture perspective, the defense has got to get a ton of credit for all four winners. But yay, quarterbacks. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. A couple of your answers to our show question, who or what impressed you the most this weekend, whether individual or team? Let's run through your responses. A-Law Radio, Lee says, Mahomes on one leg, the Bengals as a team in Buffalo. Uh, Another tweet about Cincinnati. Offensive and defensive lines whooped Buffalo on both sides of the ball. Very impressive. Joshua says the Bengals' defense. Honorable mentions, one-legged Mahomes, and then George Kittle with the circus tricks down the middle of the field. He's also dancing in the red zone, too. Uh, David says, sorry, I'm too depressed by what happened to the Bills to answer the question. I think that speaks volumes. I'm sorry, David. We provide therapy here free of charge. Uh, Jeff says, George Kittle was awesome. Uh, Tweet from... Philadelphia, the Eagles dominance Uh, from Cleveland. Brock Purdy looks like a veteran out there. He may not be playing perfectly. He is, however, effectively playing terrific complimentary football. Kid impresses each week. David goes with Burrow. Uh, Another tweet about the Bengals dominated the Bills. I did not expect that. Mike says Brock Purdy, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. Kittle was very good, too. So is Chad Henney in relief. And one more on Twitter from Rick. Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati attack completely unencumbered by the weather in Buffalo. All great points. Thanks for finding us on Twitter. After our CBS, we'll get to your Facebook responses and more reaction to Divisional Weekend in our final hour. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.